1: to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, still here in beautiful, sunny, <laughs> scolding hot, <laughs> I mean it is ridiculously hot now, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, I'm hanging out at the Wynn Resort Hotel, Casino and Spa, do not forget the spa, uh, and I'm here with my friend and yours, uh, a favorite guest on this and every other poker podcast, the homeless poker player himself, Carlos Welch. Hey, Carlos. Hey, what's going on, everybody? (laughs) So uh, you told me before we recorded, as we record this on July 11th, you are planning to say goodbye to Vegas for a while, starting tomorrow. Is that right?
0: Yes. So I'll be leaving town tomorrow morning, um, headed towards San Diego. And then from there, I don't know where I'm going to go next, but yeah, that's the plan.
1: Okay, and what kind of um, affordable housing have you been able to obtain in San Diego
0: that makes you want to go there? (laughs) Well, there's uh, Mike Snyderman, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine. You know, that's um, um, a nice place to crash. Also, I have an ex who lives in San Diego, so that's also a nice place to crash. And then also, if I'm staying in a van... It's much nicer to park it next to the ocean than like next to some drainage, some gu- some <laughs> Vegas gutter uh, somewhere. So, yeah, there's a lot of good options in San Diego. Obviously, the weather's going to be perfect. Yeah,
1: I've never stood, I've never understood homeless people who live in Canada. Just start walking, <laughs> man. Get to San Diego at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect, perfect weather. Yeah, California is very uh, homeless friendly, but they also have more homeless people there than in any other state so i guess it's a double-edged sword the word is out that it's not so bad yeah 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 well you're not like homeless in that traditional sense no, you're yet. more you're more by choice you said not yet <laughs> yeah, i but, guess it hasn't been such a good summer a <laughs> couple, couple, couple more summers like this and uh yeah so what did you play um what was your approach what kind of bankroll did you have like what just tell me about your summer kind of in general
0: so um, I played about 10k in buy-ins, mostly um, um, 550 um, tournaments here at the Win. Um, 100k guarantees. I'll say that made up maybe like 80% of my package, and then the rest were either survivors or satellites and. For people who don't know, Survivors are basically like uh, cash satellites.
1: Right, so it's a satellite format where everyone who cashes gets the same prize, but where typically in a satellite, the prize is a seat to a bigger buy-in event. Uh, In a Survivor tournament, it's the exact same format, except at the end you get a cash prize instead of a tournament seat.
0: Right, And, and the satellites that I play here at the WSOP actually award... Uh, Lammers uh, tournament buy-in chips that you can sell for cash. So in a sense, they're all survivors to me because I would never play into the um, the. I would never use them to play in the bracelet events. So you did not engage in any bracelet events, even the low buy-ins this summer. I the only bracelet event. Well, I played the online uh, four hundred dollar online event and also the fifteen hundred shootout. Now the fifteen hundred shootout just kind of came up. At the um, um, last minute, there was a guy who, it wasn't a part of my package, but um, a friend thought that it was a pretty good format for my single table satellite uh, uh, skills. And he basically just put me into that. Um, didn't go well. But that and the uh, $400 online bracelet event were the only bracelet events that I played.
1: So you are known for changing your name on twitter <laughs> all the time i mean you're always at hip-hop 101 trivia yes. right but the name that that is attached to that twitter handle seems to change based on what's going on with you so tell the people what your name is right now
0: so the current name well i'll tell you a month ago or i guess more like a month and a half ago now it was carlos vegas Um, because that's what I changed it to on my way into town. yeah. And then after being here for 45 days and playing live poker, I've changed it to Carlos Live. (laughs) As in, I hate live poker with a passion. That's good. Very clever. Very clever.
1: Now, uh, you mentioned a package. So when you sell a package, um, for those who don't know, that means that Carlos gives other people an opportunity to invest in him as a player, so you might buy five percent of the package or whatever it is, and then uh, in the event that he should win, you would get to share in five percent of the profits for whatever price he set five percent at. Now, um, when you put out a package was there ten thousand dollars worth of buy-ins listed and were they specific, or do you just say, look, I'm gonna play about ten thousand kind of depending on how I feel, uh, how do you set up your package for your investors?
0: Well, it was um, actually um, around nine k um, before markup, and then ten ten k once the markup's added in. Um, but yeah, I, I put a schedule together, but I also gave myself flexibility to kind of change it to similar buy-ins if I decided to skip a day, or um, that was the one recently I was going to play an eleven hundred. Uh, mega satellite at the Rio for the WSOP, but because the um third day one for the main event was so big, they canceled it. So I basically just used that buy in to go over to Planet Hollywood to play in 1100 Survivors. So I keep that, I I do set a schedule, but I keep that flexibility, um, uh, for like you know, if I have to call in the Audible at the last minute,
1: (laughs) I think that's important because you know, there are definitely. Some days when I think I know what I'm going to play and then, you know, that night I don't get that much sleep or yeah. I just wake up not in the mood to play. And I would hate for there to be like 12 or 13 guys out there like counting on me to definitely play yeah. on that day. And that's not good for them either, because then if I feel pressured to play on a day when I'm not feeling it, yeah. that you know, I'm basically dead money on those days. If I'm about to bring my C game against some of the best players in the world, then we're
0: drawing dead. That was a big thing. Um uh, I think, I can't remember if it was this last year where you had the deep run in the main or the previous time. I remember you talking about one of the day, days you came in and you were not feeling your best. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, that
1: was last year. Yeah, yeah there, I remember there was just a day when I got like four hours sleep And I just, you know, I did not feel my best, and I really had to grind, and, like, I took way longer than usual (laughs) to make all my decisions. I mean, I'm known for, like, being the player that doesn't have to tank, like, very often, you know. Uh, That On that day, especially with as much as we had riding on it, that might have been the day I busted out, actually. It was just, you know, the end of a really long summer and the end of a really long tournament. And it just, it caught up to me. Not that I was, you know, I don't feel like I you know, completely lost control and, like, donked off my stack or anything. But I definitely uh, – I had some days last year in the main event when I was, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, and ready to – you know, it, sometimes your brain is just more focused. Yes. And that's the best way to describe it, right? Like, some days you have your focus and you know that you're about to bring your A game. And then other days you got to fight just to bring your B game.
0: Yeah, some days it feels like you're going to um... – you know, do something for fun, and other days you feel like you're dragging ass into work. Yeah. And so it's good, like you said, to have a schedule. Um, schedule flexibility where, you know, if you don't feel like playing that day, you don't have to. But, of course, you can't do that in the main. Well, I spoke to Jack <laughs> Effel and I said, you know, Jack,
1: I'm not really in the mood today. You know, can we just reschedule this for, like, next week or something? And he said, I would, Clayton, but the ESPN people want to do it today. So they've already got the cameras set up. So That
0: would be a nice luxury, <laughs>
1: for sure. <laughs> yeah, when you buy into a 10-day tournament, you need to be ready to play for 10 days. And, you know... But, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it too, but what do you do if you're in that situation and you're playing anyway? Like, we've all been in spots where, for whatever reason, we are playing when we're kind of fighting against ourselves. What are kind of some of your uh, tricks or just words of
0: advice for those who are who find themselves in the spot that I was in last year? So, my this happens to me often because, like I said, I love live poker. <laughs> so, sometimes I'll do it because... You know, it's just, like, too much value to pass up. And so I really like online poker. And so one trick that I've learned is that if I just don't look at people's faces, in my mind, I can kind of pretend like I'm playing online. Oh, I like that. I've so, never tried that. <laughs> so at the table, a lot of times, I'm just looking at hands. Like, not cards. Like, physical hands right, right, of right. humans as opposed Fingers to their face. Yeah, yeah. Things. So I just kind of, like, glance around the table at the hands, the chips, and... Anything, And I got like m- music in or if not music, just like something, a podcast or something to kind of like just to take my mind from the fact that I'm live playing in a casino. And that helps me get through the days where I don't want to be there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, I never tried that because I feel like a big part of my edge in the live game is my ability to read my opponents and taking s- such an important uh knife out of my bag would yeah. <laughs> be very negative uv for me uh, do you ever get tells by looking at people's fingers
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's like sometimes they have uh, salad dressing on them from, <laughs> from, from, from um, eating salad with their hands which is another reason i don't like live poker because of all the shenanigans you've actually seen Oh, there's, Someone, yeah. there, there's a video. I don't know. If you, maybe uh, you haven't I don't seen know it. If I've seen that. There's movie. a classic video of a guy that's like you know mm-hmm. playing at the Venetian and just eating salad with his hands and like shuffling chips. Wow. Yeah. That is not a germophobic man. No, no. And, <laughs> and you know, you know, Sheldon's big on protecting you know us from online poker. Meanwhile, there's a pandemic waiting to happen <laughs> <laughs> at his casino. So yeah, yeah. There's. Um, uh, you don't you don't get as many tails for sure when you're um, kinda, not looking at your opponent right right <laughs> not, not looking at your opponents you kind of um, uh, miss some of the information but I think if it's a trade-off so if you feel like you know trying to Take in everything and it's the information overload on a day where you're not playing your A game anyway. You kind of got to like, you know, use whatever crutch gets you through the day. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: I think players in other sports do the same thing. You know, like you hear about a baseball player. He's got a cut on his finger, but he goes out and pitches anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, in any other sport, there's some kind of equivalent to that. And, you know, to the extent that poker players are athletes participating in a sport, um, I think that we have to learn how to play when we don't have our our very best, you know, feeling or our best vibes or whatever. Now, one of my tricks is I know that I shouldn't be at the table when within the first five minutes of sitting down, somebody annoys me. Yeah. You know, like he'll flirt with the dealer and that'll normally wouldn't bother me. But then I'm like, why is he flirting with the dealer? You yeah. know, like, if I have some kind of like annoyed thought in my head, I use that as like a reminder to myself, like, okay, Clayton, this is a sign that you might not be uh, in the best uh headspace right now to play this. And therefore you need to bluff less than usual. Um, like I make certain aj- adjustments oh, to know. my game. Like try to put myself in, in a better position to kind of overcome because, you know, bluffing is a skill that requires uh, a, an emotionless kind of uh, disregard for the results. And if I already hate the guy next to me, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be emotionless. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Which brings me to another topic I wanted to bring up, Carlos, because it gets to the point of um, playing with emotions. Uh, playing poker while you have emotions uh, kind of taking over your body. Um, I sent you a, a very... Uh, Interesting text message. Interesting is not the right word. Uh, a somewhat salacious seeming text message. Tell people what the text said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the night the night before, Clayton and I uh, were on the rail watching um, our friend Andrew Brokers go deep in the main event, and um, Clayton brings up you know the idea of um, you know doing a podcast before I leave for the summer. So. He um, um, takes my number, sends me a text, and um, that was basically how, you know, we exchanged numbers in our phones. But, you know, we're on the rail. We're not really uh, focusing on, we're basically focusing on the action. So he doesn't, like, save my I did not
1: save (laughs) Carlos. And at the same time, I also had uh, plans to play later in a single table satellite Um, which go on until basically until the end of the World Series of Poker, even though the main event's already, you know, done or almost done. You can't buy into it anymore. You could still play satellites, you know, pretty much 24 hours a day right now. Um, So I had plans to do that. So let me fast forward and give them a little background. I met a friend, uh, someone that I had met a few times before. I didn't expect her to be in uh, in the single table satellite when I bought into it. But um, because she's someone that a lot of people might know. And she was also uh, hanging out with two other known, some might even say celebrity, poker players. Uh, So they all came and joined the table together. And we all had a a jovial atmosphere. And at some point, she asked for my number because she was going to hook me up with some people that she knows in New York, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, I got this female poker player's uh, phone number on the same night that i got yours yes. and i made you the mistake of didn't save names <laughs> didn't save either. either one okay. so then the next day you get a text from me
0: yes so the <laughs> next day i get a text from clayton that says hey are you still mad at me <laughs> including this female's number i mean this female's name <laughs> And so I immediately, I actually thought about it. I was like, should I, like... Let, 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 let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, let's I see where this goes. Uh, you know, Clayton's a nice guy. So I was like, you know, I'm going to stop you right now before this goes bad. I
1: give you so much credit <laughs> for that. Because if, if, if you texted me thinking that you were texting a female that you had spent time with the night before Yes,
0: yes are you still <laughs> are you mad still at me mad? <laughs> i would definitely probably want to have some
1: more fun with that before i let you off the hook yeah, yeah. and let you know it was clayton so i commend you carlos on being a good he said let me stop you right there this is carlos And I don't want to hear whatever this is about. the next line
0: could be uh, career
1: (laughs) ending. (laughs) So as it turns out, it wasn't quite as titillating as Carlos might have expected. But let me finish the story now. So I'm at that single table tournament, and it gets down to this female player, uh, one of the famous players that she was uh, hanging out with that night, uh, myself, and another player that I've spent a lot of time with in the satellite room, uh-huh. but that they didn't know. Uh-huh. And he was a uh, really nice guy. I think he's from the Dominican Republic. Uh, a lot of times he and I do like a heads up last longer. It's always very friendly. Yeah. Like I have respect for this player. Older gentleman. He's just there. He like pretty much grinds satellites. You know, yeah. he's just there in that satellite room, as a lot of players are. I'm sure he played a few bracelet events, but you know, most of the time that I saw him, it was in that room. So uh, when it gets down to four players and this gentleman wins a pot, uh, the female player said something like, oh, I don't like where this is going. The wrong player is winning. And she's kind of looking at me and the other player that she knew that was still in the tournament
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, kind of giving us a sign that she wants it to end up with the three of us at the end, presumably so that we could chop up the prize money. So let me stop here and what would you do, and how do you feel about this type of conversation in a satellite tournament?
0: Uh, I don't agree with it. I think pretty much, luckily, pretty much everyone that knows me knows that I'm pretty um, hardcore when it comes to playing poker. Like, I've played with um, friends at the table. Um, Killing Bird um, has played. Like, it was funny. Like, we had a story where once we actually hear we came to the win together to play a tournament and we chatted the whole way here. And then, you know, we were sat at the same table and immediately I shut down. I didn't talk to him at all at the, t- at the table. Didn't really look at him, didn't smile. Um, played an online tournament at Mike Snyderman's house and, like, you know, sitting on his couch, like, you like two feet away from him and just like three bet bluffing him left and right. <laughs> so
1: you guys were in the same house playing against at each his, other in at, the same tournament? <laughs> yes,
0: on, online at his house. And, like, you know, I'm still going to like three, bet you, if you open the button, I'm in a small blind. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, I'm going to play my game regardless if I'm friends with the people I'm playing with or not, and especially in a satellite where the, the ethics starts to get murky when you have those type of conversations with fr- – when there's, like, you know, two or three friends at the table and then another kind of an outlier, and you're kind of, like, talking about, you know, making a deal – with your friends, but you wouldn't make that same deal um, with this guy. Uh, Obviously there's going to be like some skill differences there that come into account. But uh, to me, it's just something that uh, you have to be careful about.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you, you couldn't have said it better. Um, My policy is much the same as yours. Uh, This sit and go could come down to you, me and my grandmother, and I'm going to still try to win it. I mean if I'm willing to make a deal with you I have to be willing to make a deal with her and with whoever else might be at that table and the truth is when I'm playing single table satellites like it's really not worth it to me unless I win them I'm not trying to sound like a baller or something but like the prize pool in this tournament was $2600 you know I didn't play for 3 hours to try to win $1200 <laughs> you know what I mean? $1300 so um I'm trying to I always try to win them um if Somebody has a skill edge over me and wants to give me a fair chop, I will, I will take it. Um, I'm shocked at how often players who are clearly better at poker than I am will o- actually offer me that chop heads up when it's, it's clear to me I'm an underdog to beat them heads up. Because most players are so programmed to avoid variance at all costs that they actually don't accept variance when it's part of their equity. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm not like that. If I think I can beat you heads up and we're about the same in chips, I say, let's go. Let's play. And I don't care. The blinds are really high and it's basically a crapshoot because I still think that there are mistakes you might make that I wouldn't. And so, you know, because the blinds are so big, those mistakes are big. And I've gotten second in so many single table tournaments and it doesn't make me go home and cry. You know, it's like they are winner take all. So, even though most of them end up getting chopped somehow, it's not required. Right, right. Right?
0: Definitely not
2: required.
1: Right. Now, I know this woman. Um, I've met her at a few different events. Um, You know, she's obviously uh, involved in the poker community. She's friends with a lot of the big-time players. So, I... Um, have had contact with her before, but not enough to like where she was in my phone. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Obviously. You know, so she's not like in my circle of friends or whatever. She's like someone that I'm friendly with and that I know through other people, basically. So I was a little bit shocked, actually, that she would try to propose a chop or let's team up against this guy so that we can all chop. I just don't think that that's appropriate. And um, I told her when she first said that, I said, you know, poker is not a team sport. And I said that out loud so that everyone at the table could hear me. So I made that very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, The famous player uh, busts out, and now it's just this woman, myself, and this older uh, Dominican gentleman that I mentioned. And she again starts saying, I just wanted to get it down to the two of us. Let me say this. This woman is attractive. And I don't think that She's heard the word no a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. in her life, yeah. so... <laughs> And by the way, you guys, if you text me or direct message me and try to find out who I'm talking about, I promise I will never, ever tell you. So please don't waste your time and mine trying to get the dirt. I'm not talking about this for gossip reasons. I mean, we're talking about it because it was a funny thing, mistake that I sent Carlos the text intended for her. But also I think it brings up kind of a moral issue. And earlier this summer when I started to um, play in the single tables, I heard whispers about how a lot of the players that were in there were playing as teams. Yeah, And they were doing this kind of blatantly, from what I understand, especially in the higher buy-ins. And so for that reason, I didn't play any uh, 1K sit-and-goes this summer because I just didn't want to be up against the team.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I have heard um, rumors in the past about certain well-known players um, colluding in these. Um, obviously, that's you know against the rules, and it shouldn't be done. And yeah, it's kind of weird that they're blatant enough to like say it out loud because she's saying this loud enough that this other guy can hear it, right? And he
1: can speak English. I mean, right, yeah, he's right. he's he's, <laughs> he's
0: Dominican, but he knows that what she's
1: saying. And I
0: was getting increasingly uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's not good, people. Yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah, that's that's not good at
1: and all. And not to mention, I have a heads up last longer with him in this tournament as well. Yeah. It was like $200. Yeah. Just, you know, heads up whichever one of us finishes later uh wins the $200 from the other. So, yeah. that makes it even more wrong for her yeah. to like, yeah. now he's playing against two opponents, and that's not good for the game. If now, not- this guy's not a recreational player, but suppose that he had been like if it's his first time ever playing in a single table and this is his experience like you go in and all
0: the pros are ganging up on the amateurs yeah 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 that's so bad that's so bad a bad uh impression for if like you said if this guy was a recreational player or even if he's not like this guy didn't sign up for this experience yeah he's a pro it's really not fair yeah so you should have spoken up yeah um,
1: he should have spoken up but you know he's just not the type he's a very soft spoken guy um and I think that he was pretty satisfied with what I was saying
0: yeah yeah good, you know good. yeah and you know kudos for you to kind of for you to um, um take the reins in that spot because not everybody um would you know be on the up and up in a situation like this where clearly if you have a heads up last longer with this guy her mistake of um you know, Playing in this manner benefits you. Of course, yeah. It's negative EV actually for me to
1: do the right thing.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. So kudos for you to you for that.
1: Well, thank you. I just um, I I don't feel right about it. I wasn't raised that way. You know, when we played around my kitchen table with my mom and my brothers, my whole my whole life, um, you know, there was never any kind of cheating or colluding or or anything like that. And it, maybe because I was used to playing with families, like if I wouldn't cheat. With my family I'm sure as heck Not gonna cheat With you When I don't even know Your name Like I had to ask her I've met you a few times Can you remind me What your name is Right, right. You know She was surprised By that too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway uh, I end up busting My Dominican friend mm-hmm. And I end up Heads up with this woman And she immediately Starts talking Okay now we're gonna Chop it right We're gonna chop it In the meantime uh, There's 2600 In the prize pool I have like almost all the chips. I have like something like 80% of the chips and she offered me $700. Like she would take 700 and I would take 19. And I, I thought about it and I said, you know, like I think a fair equity chop would have been a little closer to 600 for her, but I did not want to chop because I generally don't like to chop in these things. But I did offer her a deal that would make it worth my while to chop. And I asked her if she would take 500 and I would take 21, then we'll just call it. Right. I said, but otherwise, I'd rather just play it out. No hard feelings, but I'd rather play it. I always finish these. Like, I hardly ever chop them, you know? Right, right. So um, she said, well, a fair deal would be 700. And I I didn't want to quibble about whether it was closer to 600 or 700. Yeah. I said, well, that might be true. I knew it wasn't. <laughs> I said, that might be true, but I don't want to chop. So if you want to chop, I'm offering you 500. Right. So at that point, she turns to one of the professional celebrity players that she walked in with. And his advice to her was, look, if you want to take the 500, take the 500. Yeah. So he was kind of like, you're not going to win this argument with Clayton because yeah. Clayton's not like, I'm kind of impervious to her charms. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, like, like everybody, you know, this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> and, and it sounds like this guy realizes that and that, you know, the jig is up Yeah, <laughs> take the deal or play you know yeah. it's not God it's so awkward man when people do this to you yeah because it's a lot of
1: pressure like I felt like and especially because you know when she sat down we were all so friendly and we yeah. were all laughing and it was like oh you remember when we were at that party together <laughs> this kind of stuff so now it's like it's
0: getting weird yeah this is why I'm not friendly at the table because yeah. people kind of take they feel like you betrayed them when you basically just met them like 30 minutes ago
1: yeah but even if <laughs> even if it were someone i knew well like you right right i right. mean if i don't want to chop and you wanted to chop you can't get mad at me you because i don't have to
0: chop it's a part of the game yeah. it's called, like you said it's called a winner take all like there's a difference like we you know kind of uh, mix these words together but there's a difference between a single table satellite and a sit and go That's right. A sit and go has a payout structure, usually first, second, and third. First, second, and third. Yeah. Like, this is not that. So, if someone does not chop, you cannot peer pressure them into it. In the meantime, she
1: won, the table lasts longer. Yeah. So, she already had something from this tournament. Okay, lady. Yeah. (laughs) Take the money. And I don't, you know, I don't mean to be uh, bashing her. I feel like her maybe experience level in poker is uh, maybe a little bit more limited and she's not used to people not going along with what she wants for a lot of different reasons but um but yeah like the way she was treating me as though i I was suddenly her mortal enemy it just kind of made me think like this is emotions now what chances does she even have of beating me at that point yeah when now she's caught all these feelings about (laughs) it now it's four fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so the longer she takes to accept this deal, <laughs> the
0: price is going down. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah,
1: it. <laughs> I mean, I think a fair deal was probably like six twenty-five. I didn't do the math, but just yeah. in my head, it was it was around six twenty-five. She wanted seven. I offered her five.
2: Right.
1: I mean, a fair price would have been six twenty-five, but I did not want to give her a fair price because, as usual, I wanted to play it out. And right. anyone that spent any time with me in the satellite room knows that when you're at my table. If I'm the ones you're heads up with, we're probably going to play heads up. Yeah. I mean, unless you really make it worth my while, or I perceive you as being better than I am. Right. Which, you know, to be fair, in the $275 buy-in tournaments, I don't really perceive that many players better than I am. Right. Some of them are maybe about the same, but, like, for you to have a big enough skill edge that I'm going to start chopping with you, like, that's more like the five seventy-fives, the the 10 you know, the $1Ks. Yeah. But yeah it's just you know it's it it, that story kind of brings up how there are no friends at the poker table. No. We can be friendly. I don't think you need to shut down and not talk to your friends just because you're sitting with them. But if that helps you stay objective and not have feelings about it, then I don't blame you for
0: that. yeah for me, it's a matter of I enjoy the analytical side of poker um more so than the social side at the table, like I. Like, people like to ask you where you're from, what you do for a living. Like, I mean, I'm willing to engage in those type of conversations away from the table when I'm not trying to, like, formulate your, you know, uh, VIP percentage in my mind. I can't do both at the same time. Well,
1: it's left brain and right brain, isn't it? Right, right. You know, so like
0: your math side yeah. is working on
1: one half of your brain. And then your social loving give everybody a hug and a kiss side is on your right side of your brain, and not, most men in particular, cannot use both sides of their brain simultaneously. It's been proven that women are actually chemically predisposed to being able to do both better, which might be why you get these chatty women at the table
0: that are also killing you, yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 I know I'm not capable of that, and yeah. so this is why. You know, I don't talk to my actual friends, and I'm not really trying to meet new friends because I'm like, there's numbers running around in yeah. my head, and I'm not smart enough to do both. And so, um, that's kind of sad, though. I mean, I'll be honest, that's kind of sad because a lot of the people that you've come into
1: contact with at the poker table have missed out on on meeting a really interesting person, and the reason why is because you don't have the capabilities to kind of beat yourself.
0: While you're playing poker. And that's why I love talking about this on podcasts because the people who are actually real fans or friends of mine will listen to this and they'll, they'll, they'll know the next time that we play together, you know, just talk to them on the break. That's the problem that I run into. Um, I don't know a way to say this to a stranger at the table without coming off as... <laughs> and so... Revealing the fact that I'm actually trying to win this thing, right, you know, right. I'm not just here to, you know, have fun with the, with, with my buddies. I'm right. like, you know, in my mind, I'm seeing a hood, and I'm populating the hood that I have. On, I'm color coding people. Right. In my mind, I'm doing all this stuff. So you try to turn the live game into the online game. Hence, looking at the hands as yeah. opposed to the faces. Interesting. I'm, like, I'm doing everything I can to make. I'm putting myself in my comfort zone, which is online poker, and so. I'm blocking out the live elements that, A, might be interesting to me in any other um, situation. But in this one, like, I'm here to try to win money, and I'm focusing on that objective more so than, like, you know, hey, what's your favorite football team, you know? Right, right, right.
1: Well, you would have loved my table that I had on day two of the main event we had a guy at my table that really looked just like an avatar <laughs> he looked like one of the avatars on wsop.com yeah. he had the sweatshirt and the and the sunglasses <laughs> and the hoodie and he had a, like a frowny face yeah. and I, I i couldn't like look at him with a straight face because yeah. he reminded me <laughs> of someone i'd seen on the computer screen <laughs> That's so funny yeah um oh anyway to finish that story i ended up winning that single table satellite and um you know, she basically doesn't want to be my friend anymore. So, I mean, I guess that's I guess that's for the best or maybe after a few days she'll realized that it wasn't personal it was just poker but right. you know i always give people the benefit of the doubt and everybody's kind of at a different uh part of their journey you know maybe years ago i would have felt the same way that she did in that situation but just you know living it in the moment now in 2019 especially when i'd already indicated several times that i wasn't part of a team right and didn't have any interest in being part of a team i don't think she should have had any expectation that i would chop with her but i think that you know She's used to getting her way.
0: (laughs) And she's clearly in the wrong if she continues to press the issue after you said this, like, you know, 30 minutes ago.
1: Yeah, I've already established it when there were four players left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, so,
0: that's not cool.
1: Yeah, she was really pressing the issue. And maybe, maybe um, in her shoes, she's had a bad summer. Maybe she's really stuck. And maybe the buy-in was too much to begin with. For her bankroll, and she really needed to at least get a, a little something out of this table. You know, I've been there before, too. The uh, first yeah. time I came to Vegas for the summer, I brought $800 Yeah, for the World Series of Poker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's even less than me. <laughs> <laughs> I got at least two grand the first year I came. Yeah,
1: but I ended up, up winning two single tables. Yeah. And playing in two bracelet events nice. with my $800 bankroll. <laughs> I didn't cash in either one that first year, but I got the experience, which was really kind of where I, where I put the line that first time. Right. So when you're coming out here, if you've never been before, and maybe you're you know still brushing up your poker game, and your goal is to maybe play next year, I think you don't need a huge bankroll to be out here and have a great time. There's a lot of really small buy-ins, and you can always do satellites as well. But your goal shouldn't be like to win player of the year <laughs> if you're coming out here for the first time and you only have eight hundred dollars in your pocket, right? Yes. Let's be a little realistic.
0: And if you do, definitely get in touch with Clayton because <laughs> you will make a great podcast guest. <laughs> if you turn eight hundred dollars into a player of the year win. <laughs> well,
1: you know, my player of the year is gotta be Andrew Brokus because yes. Um, you know, we just watched him, and spoiler alert: you should stop this podcast right now if you don't know how he did in this year's main event. So I gave them plenty of time. If they're yep. still listening, it's their fault. Um, Andrew busts. As we're recording this, Andrew busted out late last night at the end of day five and finished in 125th place and won something like what was it 60, 60 um, 59k? Okay, yep. fifty nine thousand dollars, which is a very good score. Um, Carlos, you were a huge part of um, Andrew's efforts. So tell the tell the
0: people about your role in all of this. Yeah, we had the um, entire pit crew there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were doing
1: the tires. Yeah, yeah. Somebody we... else is uh, <laughs> changing the
0: gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had the pit crew, and it was a blast. <laughs> it started actually with um, his first table was kind of in a spot where it wasn't directly on the rail. And we'd done the same thing the night before. And I want to say we got out of there at like one or one thirty. So everybody was pretty much tired. So I was like, I'm not even gonna come in to the I feel like it's like going to work. It's like I'm not coming in. Coming in to work today. (laughs) Yeah, I'm calling sick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I was like, I'm too sleepy, and it's like I can't see from this spot anyway. And everything that I would do for him, I could do over the internet anyway. Right. So I just went and did like some cyber recon. On like the players at his table, like yeah. You know, so you can check out their Hendon Mob.
1: You can see what else they've cashed in, how many bracelets they have, stuff like that, right? Yes. Yeah, so I yeah. did
0: did um a lot of that work away from the table, away from the Rio, and then once he got moved to a new table about um six p.m. um about halfway through the day, um it was closer to the rail, and uh, Emily, his girlfriend, let me know that you know he was closer to the rail. And so I just uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm on the way and I, you know, I packed up all the gear and uh I shot over to the Rio. And this is when the fun really started. Yeah. Because <laughs> like this is this is like my thing. Like this I enjoy helping other people navigate through poker tournaments because all the things that I don't like about live poker, I don't experience them when I'm not at the table. You're not sitting there. yeah, right? yeah. yeah, and so like one of my best my, one of my favorite things about poker is talking strategy which you can't do when you're at the table and so when i'm not at the table i get to do this especially um uh, with somebody who's in the game um my buddy briar called it uh being a poker caddy
2: <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so, i haven't heard that that's great a yeah. poker caddy yeah uh, well, you I'm, should I'm, use the five iron on this one, yeah yeah it's like
0: it's like being a poker caddy and and i had a great experience this time because i haven't done this in the past when you so at the beginning of each day during the main event, they tell you all the players that you know are seated at every table, and like I said, by the time Andrew moved to this new table, we're six hours into it. So some of those original players busted. So even though I had the lineup that was there before, it wasn't necessarily the same players. Right. right. So I was like, how can I get information on mm-hmm. these people if it's not the same people? So what I what I figured out I could do. Like, I knew one guy at the table was a familiar face. So I went through the blog updates and found other players that he was in hands with recently. And that guy, so that's how I found the new players to the table. So this guy <laughs> was in a hand with that guy. So he must have been at that other table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, wow. then, and, and And then once I found his name... Then I can handle him even though he wasn't on the original on the list. Original and then each time I found a new name, I can now search that person in the blog. So maybe he played with somebody else who's at now at the table. And I was able to get information on probably like um, 70% of the table. And you should work for the CIA. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> the two. I died laughing when you sent me that message. Yeah, if it, it, it kind of felt like that. It was like, you know, recon, man. It was it was. So much fun just being able to... Um, Did you collect any DNA from any of his opponents? Not, no, 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 <laughs> okay. no, DNA. no DNA. You
1: get like fibers, hair fibers, fingernails. You know, you know what? There was, <laughs> there was a,
0: uh, a... a At one point, um, Joe Hashem came around with um, several boxes of pizza um, for his son, who was also in the tournament, at the table right next to Andrew. And then so he's passing out... Piece of slices to everybody around. So I probably could have, like, got some DNA off of, like, yeah, used sure. pizza crust, At least your fingerprint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I get, you know, the whole family, you know, ancestry.com on everybody in the tournament at this point. Yeah, so. That's taking it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: actually, you mentioned Andrew's girlfriend, Emily. Yes. And uh, she actually has a lot of great ideas about poker. Now, she doesn't play, I don't think, at all, but maybe no. if she does just a little, Um, But she thinks the players should be required to wear name tags at the table. You know, in any other sport... The, you got names on the jerseys, right? You know who your opponents are. Yeah. Why do we have to like figure out from the poker news blog who Andrew's <laughs> playing against?
0: Yeah. And it's like, you know, we always want to say that poker's a sport. Like, can you imagine going into a boxing match, not knowing who you're <laughs> you're <up
1: against?
0: laughs> he's going to try to beat the heck out of you. And by the way, you don't know who he is. You show up, you yeah. think it's Kevin Hart. and turns out <laughs> it's Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. You don't want that. That. Yeah. I like the name tag. idea. Yeah. She has a lot of good ideas. Yeah. Um, anyway
1: uh it was fun i got to rail not last night but the night before i was hanging out with you and emily and some other uh andrew Brocas fans now if anybody doesn't know andrew's a tpe coach yes. he also has a great new book out called play optimal poker is that the right title i said it right that is correct okay yes. i'll make sure i get the title right and you guys should definitely get his book and if you haven't joined tpe yet do it now so that you can watch all of his videos he has one where he talks about using uh po solver to uh, figure out uh hand ranges uh from the big blind versus the under the gun razor um, and he goes on different board textures and he goes so deep watching those videos um, i realized how little i know about no limit hold'em. yeah and and I'm pretty good, I think, <laughs> yeah. but I found out I'm not so good because Andrew is just on another level, and uh, anyone who's coached by him is uh, getting a bargain no matter what he's charging. So um, with that in mind, let's talk strategy. You said your favorite thing about poker is talking strategy. Yes. Uh, do you have a hand that you want to bring on, maybe something that you played or maybe even something you watched Andrew play yesterday?
0: Um, I do have a hand um, from the, I mentioned the $400 online bracelet event that I played. Yeah. Um, So, so I do have a hand from that. Um, so.
1: Oh, he's bringing it up now. He, uh, Carlos has his laptop, and I'm looking at the avatar that reminds me of the player I was playing <laughs> <laughs> I
2: it looks Yeah, I've like,
1: seen like, uh, that guy. Exactly he looks like a modern poker player. And this guy with a beard looks like yeah, Andrew. It looks like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does, actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so this hand starts with. So we're at the 50, 100 level, no antis yet. And. Um, Pretty deep. Uh, I have seventeen thousand, so one hundred and seventy big blinds. And the hand starts with UTG one limping. Okay. And UTG two, he's so the first guy limps for a hundred, and UTG two raises to um, three fifty. Okay. And so action folds around to me and the small blind holding king, queen of hearts. Okay. Now, before
1: you tell me what you did, Mm -hmm. the way I would analyze this is two players have shown interest in this pot, both of whom are in early position. Um, If you had a shorter stack and you told me that you folded, I wouldn't even say, Carlos, I think that's a really tight fold. Um, I think with this bigger stack... Uh, it's a calling or even three betting are both defensible plays, but overall against two players from early position that are involved in the pot. I don't think King queen is doing generally that well, unless you have
0: information about your opponents that we didn't get yet. Um, No, I don't have information other than what's what we've seen in the hand. And so I will say right away, Um, the, the first guy is 150 bigs deep and he limped from early position. So that says a lot, um, right there. So that's all the information I have on him, And that's enough to let me know that I want to play pots with this guy.
1: Yeah. Now three or four years ago, this would be a sign of an absolute fish, uh, three or four or five years ago in live and online poker, any type of limping from any position, uh, in a poker tournament would be considered a, a sure sign that your opponent has no clue how to play this game yeah. um, because everything we were learning from training sites and books at that time was that limping is bad. Open limping is bad. Uh, you should try to get the blinds whenever you can, yada, yada, yada. In the last year or two, and correct me if I'm wrong, Carlos, but I feel like players developing some type of limping strategy um has kind of come in back into vogue and it's not necessarily the sure sign that it used to be. Have you noticed that as well?
0: Yes. And the reason it comes back is it has come back into vogue is because the, when you say have, when you have say like 20 bigs, um, if you raise like from late position uh, you're kind of vulnerable to people um, shoving on you if that's the effect, effective stack size. And so you end up having to uh, not being able to see flops with um, certain hands that aren't strong enough to raise call. And so the the limp now from the higher, um, the uh, more thinking players are, is an adjustment that allows them to... Uh, not have such a um a valuable pot for their opponents to like shove and um still uh, when the uh, when stacks are shorter um so i think that's why it's come back um in vogue but the i don't even i don't think the good players are doing it from stacks this deep unless it's blind versus blind for a lot of people that's becoming like a um Standard their standard play from the small blind is to complete even, you know, 150 bigs deep. But no, I don't think any good players, even in this day and age are limping from those stack sizes in early position. Right.
1: So, and then of course we've all seen a player limps from early position, hoping that someone raises so that he can put in the three bet, a big three bet with usually aces or maybe Kings. Yes. Um, and I've found that some players I've seen this summer in all the you know, 30-some tournaments I've played, I've seen some decent players do this with a big stack and then put in that big three bet without aces or kings. Yeah. Representing those hands, but maybe having something more like ace-five suited, yes. ace-king or other, other hands that don't mind just taking it down because everyone's going to say, uh-oh, now I have to be afraid that he has aces. So it's always a cat-and-mouse game. But in balance, right, yes. all things considered... This is probably not a good player. Probably. <laughs> we not. go through all that, but most likely that open limp is a sign, like it was 3 or 4 years ago, that he's he's bad. Yes. It's just not as clear a sign as it used to be in my opinion. Right. All right. Now, this uh, next player who raised it should pretty much have a value range because even if he's attacking that limp, he shouldn't be doing so from third position, yes. right under the gun plus 2. Yeah. So he's he's probably got a value hand. So how do we think King-Queen is doing kind of in general and and how much credence do we put into our um, stack depth
0: in trying to decide how to play? Um, I want to say that I agree that the second guy's range should be um, uh, relatively strong. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say we are ahead of it. We're probably um, on par with it or maybe even slightly behind it. And I think we're in good shape against the limper. Um, and so um, for those reasons, I think I prefer just calling here. And the other reason is, like you said, um, the, the suited connected hands like this benefit a lot from um, high stack to pot ratios. So I want to say we probably we probably don't have the best hand, and but we can like maneuver pretty well post flop and maybe get the best hand to fold whether we, you know, improve or not. And that's going to be harder to do if we kind of blow the pot up now. And so these suited hands like this, I much prefer to just call within these spots. A we don't want to like, you know, price out the one guy in the hand that we are pretty confident. Uh, is a weak player and definitely has a uh, weak range. Um, So, yeah, I'm pretty much calling here every time.
1: Yeah, I don't mind calling here, but mostly because we're so deep. Um, I think we kind of need to have a strategy of being somewhat careful when we flop one pair. Um, We're hoping to flop more like a straight draw, flush draw, combo draw, something good like that that we can kind of be a little bit more aggressive with. Because you know, even if we flop a pair of queens with king queen, remember hero has a king of hearts, queen of hearts in the small blind here. Um, if we flop just one pair, we we really have to worry that the uh, that the player who raised initially could could well have us beat. And yet, flopping a queen with this hand, what else do you want? You you. You're liable to lose some chips, and you're also going to be out of position. So that's why I said earlier, I don't mind if you fold if you have a shorter stack. But I think having a bigger stack makes this a pretty clear call. Yes. All right. So we do call. And the big blind? So we call big blind folds, and the limper calls. All right. So now we're out of position against two opponents, one of whom limped and called a raise, and the other one raised. Now we're first to act on a flop of king of diamonds, deuce of diamonds, deuce of clubs, Hero holding king, queen of hearts. So we have top pair queen kicker on a board that's paired. So uh, how to proceed? Do you ever lead here, or is this always like 100% check to the Razor situation?
0: Um, I always check here. Um, I want to say we talked about how the Razor has a stronger range than us here. So um, I think one mistake that a lot of recreational players will make is leading out with these marginal Um, top pair hands I guess it's not super marginal here but you know it's not the nuts and so you lead out here and you're kind of vulnerable if the guy decides to like raise and put in a lot of chips and then also you uh, unnecessarily weaken your checking range if you're leading out in these spots with your good top pair so I'm pretty much checking here um, every time. Both very good points. I don't gloss
1: over that. The importance of having some strong hands in your checking range is, is not to be diminished. I mean, that is a really important point because if my opponent who raised the limper uh, sees me check and just assumes that entitles him to this pot automatically... Then that is like the most easily exploitable strategy, and one that you see all the time in events like yes. the Colossus and the five hundred dollar Big Fifty and some of the small stakes tournaments that they had for bracelets this year. You would see this kind of mistake all the time, where no one would ever check a king here. They have it, so they bet it, and then when they get raised, what are they supposed to do? Yeah, you know, because I would bluff raise if he if if the small blind let out for a third of the pot and I had something like Ace-Jack with the Ace of Diamonds, I would sometimes raise that bet because that lead bet there is hardly ever a really big hand. And also, on a board of King-Deuce-Deuce, Deuce, it's hard to have a really big hand. So I would, I would raise with some bluffs as well as some better value like Ace-King and Aces. So... There's just no reason to bet this this particular flop. I think there are some flops where you could have a donk leading range, but this certainly isn't one of them. King, deuce, deuce with two diamonds when we have the king, queen of hearts. So we check, and the limper.
0: So we check, the limper checks, and the razor, the original razor bets half pots. So there's 11, 1150 in the middle, and he bets 575. Okay. So his half pot bet.
1: Uh, should be with what Andrew likes to call a condensed range. I don't know how polarized he is. Um, It's very unlikely that he has a full house or quads, right? So we are only really behind two hands that I can think of. He could have certain ace-deuce suited. Okay, that's possible. But a lot of guys would limp behind a limper with those hands, right? Yes. So on king-deuce-deuce... we're losing to ace king and aces and not really much else so the question becomes do we want to raise this half pot bet or is it better to just call I don't
0: think folding is really in the realm of possibility now no definitely not folding and I'm never raising here because one thing that we have to keep in mind when we're Navigating through a hand is to keep everything consistent. Like we talked about earlier how we thought this guy had the range advantage and the other guy was the weaker player. And so although we have a pretty strong hand here, we don't necessarily want to raise and strengthen the range of someone who we already have on a strong range anyway and also price out, you know, the weaker player. So again, this is kind of a uh, fist pump call. Um, every time in this spot, now, as I mentioned
1: earlier, I don't want to uh, I don't want to build a huge pot because I said with King Queen, I'm concerned that even if I flop a pair of kings or queens, I'm going to be concerned that I'm beat. so I think that's a reason to just call as well. but let me ask you this, do you have a raising range on this flop at all?
0: Um, or is it always either a call or a fold so I'm gonna have some ace deuce suiteds here. That's probably gonna be the only um, um, suited hands I have. So because I have some deuces here that I that I um, would raise with, I would have some bluffs, and it would be like backdoor flush draws and maybe some of the uh, the weaker front door flush draws. Like if I have like the um, nut flush draw so like you know i have the um ace high um as well i may not raise that one but some of the ones like maybe like jack 10 of whatever the flush draw was i may raise that one because it benefits a little bit more from fold equity awesome okay
1: so yeah if you have a raising range you got to have some bluffs in that range and that's the point there
0: okay so we call and the original limper, surprisingly, makes it twenty-seven thirty-one. So um roughly a pot size bet, I believe. Um Huh. Well now this is really
1: interesting because this is the first aggressive action that this player has taken in this hand. Um he limped in and then just called, which kind of made me rule out aces and kings. Mm-hmm. Right, the whole point of limping from up front with aces and kings is that if you get action, you can re-raise. It's very unusual uh, to play aces or kings this way. I would say there's probably
0: less than 5% chance of him having one of those two hands. Would you agree with that? Um, For sure, kings, because of the um, blocker situation, but... I will still put some aces in people's ranges here and even like ace king type hands. Um, I do agree that it's uh, less likely, but um, let's say if he limps re raises, he'll lose me with a hand like this pre flop because I'm um, giving him way too much. I'm giving that line too much strength. So I don't even know if I want to be in there with a hand like this that benefits from uh, high SPR and now he's like lowering the SPR for me right and so now all of a sudden his range becomes the strongest range in the in the pot if he does that whereas if he kind of like lets me see the flop when he has a hand like he says and now he does it in this spot now I'm more willing to uh, more uh, likely to pay off big bets post-flop.
1: And make a, and make a mistake, yeah.
0: Right. So, I, I mean, I I wouldn't give it as as low as five, but I'll probably say that maybe he still has, like, aces or ace-king in his range here, maybe 20 30% of the time. But you're right. I think the vast majority of the time, people will uh, limp re-raise with those hands.
1: Especially when there's more than one opponent already involved because nobody wants to go up against two opponents with their aces, even though... The truth, is, the truth is when when you're up against two opponents with aces, you're still a huge favorite. Yes. But most people like to try to get heads up with their aces just because the pain factor of losing with them.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Which, again,
1: is getting back to playing with emotion rather than just logic and math. Right. Anyway, I wouldn't put too many pocket aces, pocket kings, combos into this player's range, um, which really raises the question, what the heck <laughs> is he check-raising? You know, it's, it's gone... Check, check, bet, call. And now he's putting it. That shows even more strength that there are two of you showing an interest in this pot, and he still wants to raise it. I mean, the obvious answer is he has a flush draw with something like Queen Jack of Diamonds, a Jack 10 of Diamonds um, that might be able to just like semi bluff, take it down. And if not, it's not doing bad against your calling range anyway. Um, If a diamond hits on the turn, he's got a very strong hand, although it's not the nuts. Um, does he have any deuces in his range? I mean, is he going to limp, call, pre flop with
0: something like ace, deuce of spades? Um, I can see that I can give him ace, deuce of spades, ace, um, ace, deuce of whatever the hell the other suit is, yeah, hearts, hearts, <laughs> hearts yeah. Um, other than that, though, he shouldn't have very many deuces, okay? So, what what are his value hands? What does he have that's... So those two combos of deuces, if he, you know, plays ace-king or kings like... I mean, ace-king or aces like this occasionally, um, that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. I don't even know if he would play king-queen this way.
1: No, I don't think he should. Yeah. I mean, it's it's already gone bet, check-bet-call. Check-check-bet-call has been the action on the flop so king queen can't love it no yeah so this is a really weird raise by him um okay so now the action is on the original razor in the hand yes and he decides to fold yes and it's up to us and we have a decision whether to call or fold i don't think you should be raising no no i'm not raising Yeah. Yeah. yeah um I don't know. I think it's pretty close, but I just think we have too good of a bluff catcher. He should have a lot of diamonds. Like I think the bulk of his range should be diamonds a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially since we're there's not very many combos of ace king and aces anyway, and we're not giving him all the combos of it. No,
1: we really can't because he just played it in such whatever he has. He's played it in a in a strange way pre flop and in a surprisingly strange way on the flop. But, you know, Carlos, let's think about this for a minute because if we think this player has mostly diamonds,
0: Mm -hmm. why don't we keep raising? Um, I think it's be... If he has... I think it's closer than we are... um, Well, let me think about that. No, no, it's not that close. When you think about the combos of diamonds that he could have. Like, because the ace of diamonds is not accounted for, I think he has a lot more combos than he normally would. So he can have ace three, ace four, ace five, all the way up to, like, you know, ace queen of diamonds. Um, Obviously, he can't have any king of diamonds because the king of diamonds on the board. But then once you go beyond that, you kind of start limited. You're limited with some of the combos because... Like you mentioned, he could have, like, Queen-Jack, Queen-10, but he probably doesn't have, like, Queen-3. Right. No. Not,
1: not all Queens. But right. he might have all Aces, but he doesn't have all Queens, and he certainly doesn't have all Jacks, all 10s. But, you know, all the connectors, maybe with some one-gappers, like, you know, depending on how loose he plays, we don't have much information about him, but some players might be bad enough to, like, limp in with like nine seven of diamonds yeah. and then it goes raise call and it's like well I'm priced in I might as well go ahead <laughs> you know what yeah. the heck and just see a flop with nine seven of diamonds and now there comes King Deuce Deuce it's like I don't know how else to play a flush draw I might as well check raise it big you know and he does check raise it big as you mentioned his raise on the flop is about the size of the pot at that point so that's not
0: a joke raise yeah Um so I agree that um the majority of his range is definitely flushes here and i mean flush draws so uh i still don't want to raise because like if he's bad enough to you know be doing this with some of the weaker ones maybe we scare him away it's like at this point we have you know going back to what i've learned in um andrew's um, play optimal poker book is we're we're with we have the bluff catcher range and this guy has the um, polarized range and generally when that's the case he should be driving to action. He either has those rare combos of ace-deuce suited, pocket aces or ace-king that has us beat or he has a bluff, even a strong bluff like a flush draw. And so when that's the case, we don't want to raise and put in too many chips against the hands that beat us and we also don't want to raise and scare away the hands that um, don't beat us because there's very few I don't think there's any actually value hands that we beat that he's doing this with so his range is completely polarized Right, he shouldn't
1: have a lot of king jack, king ten or other hands that we beat some players will do this with like a middle pair like pocket eights or pocket sevens to quote see where I'm at which I always love when people put in a lot of chips trying to find out where they're at (laughs) Um what yeah. about raising n- to try to get value from those flush draws like what if we made a raise that he can actually use to call i mean is that just a crazy pot inflation like how much how much does he have
0: behind at this point So I want to say he started with um 150 big so he's got um 12k behind which is um hundred and twenty bigs. Okay. So and, yeah. And there's seven in the middle. So because of his um his check rates post flop, this pot has gotten big really quick. And now we're the SPR is like, you know, one and a half at this point. Yeah.
1: So actually it was five before before oh, you called. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we I mean, yeah. So I mean, if you told me that you got it in Mm -hmm. on this flop. Mm -hmm. I would, I would say I'm okay with it, but, um, it's only because I feel like his range is so diamond heavy. Um, he should have, like we only have, we only give him two combinations of a hand that with a deuce in it. Yeah. And, um, there's so few value hands that we can't beat. um, so uh, there's only Ace King, which is a strange way to play Ace King. Limp mm-hmm. and then call. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, I, look, the most important information we have is that a large bet has been made. Yes. Right? That is the most important information. Yes. Everything else is secondary. Once that big bet goes in, somebody's gotten serious about something and we need to give that uh, the right amount of weight. Right. But that said, if you decided to shove here or, or just re raise hoping he calls with diamonds. I'm okay with it, even though it's a really big pot because it's so hard to put him on value that we can't beat and because those combinations are so unlikely and so rare. I think that if we play this hand a million times, 900,000 times he's going to have a flush draw with something like Ace-10 of diamonds.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the question is, if we're that solid in our read, then... We also have the option of just calling and basically playing perfect against him on, on later streets. That's
1: a good point, too, because we have such a strong read of what his range is, or at least should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never know, but um, you know this play just feels so much like a flush draw to me. Uh, we can't really make a mistake against a flush draw on the turn. Right. We can check and fold if the diamond hits, and we can check raise all in if... Uh, he bluffs again, right? Yes,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: So that's a that's a good case for just calling here. So I'm okay with either, as long as you didn't fold. I'm not mad.
0: Right. So we do just call. Great. And we get a pretty good turn card. Oh, it's, which is <laughs> deuce of hearts. The deuce of hearts. Now I've heard that you know a deuce doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> You've been, is, been talking to Norman Chad. Yeah, this is the one time when an offsuit deuce changes a lot. Yeah. So the
1: board now is king, deuce, deuce, deuce,
0: and we have king, queen. Yeah, and our opponent has
1: twelve thousand behind. There's already seven thousand in the pot. So here we have that one point five SPR on the turn. Um, if we have a bluff catcher, it just got a lot stronger. Yes. Um, now the chances of our opponent have that final deuce of spades would just be like Carlos brought us a bad beat story or something, you know, which is possible.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely possible. I'm not,
0: I'm not above that. <laughs>
1: but overall, I would feel pretty darn sweet about my king queen. We still do have to worry a little bit about a very strangely played pocket aces. Otherwise, I think, you know, that rare ace-deuce of spades and um, the extremely unlikely pocket kings, right. uh, you know, like, we just there's almost no value that, we, that, that we're that losing to. Right. So, um, with that said, because we've been bluff-catching all along, I think it's a spot to continue bluff-catching. You know, if our opponent did check-raise everybody on the flop with a flush draw, um, does he stop just because three deuces are out there now? Maybe. But maybe not, and this is the thing about online poker, is that you just kind of have to figure out who's who or just play against what the field does. I know in his shoes, if I had a flush draw, I wouldn't bet the turn. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just too likely you get called by a king or by any pair.
0: Right. But then uh, the the other side of that coin is, if you have a flush draw, and I bet do you call the turn. Because now your flush may not even be good if it comes in on the ribbon. Right, and that's a
1: good point, too. I think that I would probably fold my flush draw because now it's just so likely that I'm drawing dead. When Carlos suddenly wakes up, he hasn't made one aggressive action all day, right. and all of a sudden he wakes up and bets the deuce on the turn. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, Carlos, I guess you have a king, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Literally the only hand I have at this point. So, yeah, now both of our hands are face
1: up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't like leading for that reason.
0: Yeah, so, and I agree. I'll go ahead and check and um like you said this guy decides to check back okay so So, turn turn goes check check
1: yeah which there at that point i think i would still probably put him on a lot of flush draws yeah yeah Yeah. um most of which have no value now
0: right i agree with that yeah so So, when
1: he checks back he's probably giving
0: up on the pot a lot yeah i agree okay So, check, check, and the river is a five of spades. Right. So, the flush did not
1: get there. We have a final board of King, Deuce, 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 five, hero-holding King, Queen of Hearts. Um, You know, suit's not relevant. We have a full house. And I think the question now is, now do we lead out, hoping that he somehow hit that five?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a weird spot. Uh, It's like, yeah, I don't know exactly what he has because we said earlier that we were putting him pretty strongly on a flush draw. And so I'm thinking that he's either, like when he checks back the turn, he's either given up a lot um, or he's, you know, could potentially bluff River check too. But I don't think he has um, pretty much any hands in his range that will call a bet that we beat. I agree. I agree. If he calls,
1: he's got four deuces or pocket aces. <laughs>
0: yes. Like yes.
1: Always. Yes. Um, it's it's very hard for him to have any kings. Right. I mean, I guess we did say he could have ace king, but I think ace king wants to like, you know, barrel again on the turn. Yes. Of course. For sure. Hoping that you call him with like pocket nines or something. Right. Yeah. So because ace king has a value target, and because ace king didn't bet the turn. I think Ace King is now out of our opponent's
0: range. Well, actually, um, oh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, when you set value target, you're thinking nines. I was just going to point out that this hand is chop. Yeah, yeah, way. any king yeah, chops with Ace King, play, yeah. but yeah. But I could still have like nines or tens or yeah, something. Like yeah, yeah, and
1: I think that you wouldn't have given up on those hands yet.
0: Right. So I checked. Um, the river and villain decides to bet a little more than half pot. Okay,
1: so obviously, we're not going to fold our full house deuces full of kings. No. Um, this could easily be a last ditch effort to try to win this pot with that busted flush draw that we've been putting him on since the beginning of the flop. Um, it could also be a value bet with pocket aces or four deuces that just. Freaking didn't know what to do on the turn because how often do you have four deuces? <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys when i a playing. We cannot rule out ace deuce. We cannot rule out pocket aces. Although I think checking that hand would have been a mistake on the turn. People do make mistakes, yes. and um, we, just because we can't rule it out, and because more importantly, I don't see how we can possibly get value from a worse full house than the one we have. I think this is just a check call situation,
0: and I agree with that. And so I did check call. And luckily, we get a chance to see this villain. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it was not even a flush draw; it was a pure bluff with the ten of spades, nine of hearts. So the flop was king, deuce, deuce with two diamonds, and our opponent who limped in from second position under the gun plus one with ten, nine offsuit, and then called a raise that had already been called by the small blind with it. Was not ready to give up on this pot at any point. Uh, check raised the flop with no pair, no draw. Checked back on the turn, which we think caps his range to some extent. And then tried for a desperate bluff attempt on the five on the river with 10 high. Um, if I ha- somehow managed to get to this river with the 10 high, I don't think I would bluff with it there are some time just because you have 10 high doesn't mean you have to bluff you know you can't win the pot without bluffing but the question then becomes can i win the pot by bluffing carlos has been pretty adamant about his desire to stay here when i check raise so big the pot size check raise on the flop and carlos called me i'm gonna say all right i tried (laughs) and now I'm not going to uh, put in another chip because clearly Carlos has at least a king. Maybe, we did say you could have nines or tens, something like that, right? But, I mean, most of your range is going to be a king. Yes. So um, your opponent in this hand, whose name we will not reveal, (laughs) just in case he's listening, is uh, not a good hand reader.
0: No, not at all.
1: Um, He was trying to get you to hero fold,
0: I guess, a king, but that's just never happening. Yeah, people don't fold boats very often. Uh, this is uh, something we learned from the two plus two days called zero <laughs> theorem. I mean, a Z-bo theorem. Now, this guy, my, my problem is, uh, now this could have been my fault because if anybody can fold a boat, it's me. <laughs> and I made the mistake of making my screen name my... Legal name. Oh so he may know so this exactly guy may be who he be a are. Carlos Welch fan. It's yeah. I can get this knit off of boat. <laughs> <laughs> and he tried, but it didn't happen this time. You know, Maybe next time.
1: I think he tried <laughs> I I don't I don't like his pre-flop play. No. I don't really like his flop play, although I think calling would have been a lot worse than raising. Yeah. Um so his options on the flop, he it went check, check, bet, call then I mean I think that Putting in that big raise, we did start to wonder like, is he playing aces in a weird way? Does he have a weird ace king here or even a deuce? Does he have that deuce? You know, like we do have to start thinking about what his value range is when he puts in that big check raise, but you still come to the right conclusion when you have a king. Yeah. And then he should have also concluded that you had a king. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> because his race was so big, it polarizes your calling range, right? Like, where you, when you call there, you really have to have something. You're not fooling around with like pocket threes.
0: Yeah, and, you know, what's funny is we mentioned, like, nines and tens would, in, in our shoes, call that check raise on the flop. Um, I think sometimes. Yes, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. So so maybe, you know, his bluff gets us off of those hands sometimes on right, the flop. Right, but he has
1: the cards we need. He's right, got right, a right, ten right. and a nine. Right, so. he, he's
0: blocking his, his uh, bluff <laughs> targets. And on top of that, if I had those hands and decided to call, The turn is where I would start, you know, thinking about leverage. And, you know, if I call the turn, I might be facing a big river bet. So I may let let it go on the turn. But when he checks back the turn, he, like, loses all of his leverage. So, like, now if I'm on the river with 10s and 9s, I'm more likely to call those hands on the river than I am on the turn. So it's weird that he decides not to bluff the turn and then decides to, like, you know, go for a Hail Mary on the river.
1: Well, this is one of the things about playing against an unknown opponent online. Like, your very first read was, when he limped in, I thought he was probably not a great player. Yes. And you turn out to be right about that, because this is just not a play
0: that a great player would make. He plays exactly the way his avatar looks. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the avatar is just like a bust from Heads Up, but I guarantee you he has tattoos on his fingers. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No offense to any (laughs) tattooed fingered fans out there. But Carlos has a read on you, and he's been looking at a lot of fingers.
0: Yeah, yeah, looking at the fingers. <laughs> like, you know, that's probably like, you know, some words tattooed. you know, Yeah. Right. Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some aggressive words. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Well, that's an interesting hand, so congrats on winning that pot. Thank did you. you end up cashing in that tournament? Do you I remember? did not. Uh,
0: you did uh, not. This is one of the multitude of tournaments I did not cash in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. did, you, did you deplete the whole $9,000 back? Bankroll this summer, almost, almost. almost. All right. so the the one beautiful the one beautiful thing about it is that this was a four hundred dollar buy in, and I mentioned that here at the win, I played a lot of five fifties, and the one tournament I did cash was a bigger buy in, so that helped. Oh yeah, so that was gives more, you some breathing room. Yeah, yeah. so I played two um, Planet Hollywood eleven hundred survivors, and the first one I played. um We ended up chopping seven-handed. See, this is the beauty of Survivors for me. Um, There was forty-two players in the field, and we chopped (laughs) seven-handed. And so, at the time that we chopped, my stack was worth um, right around four K. Actually, if we use ICM, it's right around four. um, Right around. I believe, um, 4k, but if we did like a chip chop, it would be more like 3,500. And I got 4k. And at the moment we chopped, I had 10 bigs, I believe. And I was right under the gun. And this was big blind anti So I was about to lose a big chunk of the value of my stack two of your 10 bigs yes we're yes. about to go in blind yeah, exactly Exactly. now these
1: are the kind of spots now you know a lot of times on this podcast i talk about how i'm not a big chopper and i don't really care about icm and stuff like that if i were in your shoes i'm sure i would have taken that deal too Yeah. like sometimes it's to your advantage to do it my thing is i don't just take chops to avoid variance right. i've learned to embrace variance in a way that most poker players do not right but Uh, In in a spot like that where it's kind of a no-brainer. It's like, do I want to just put in 20% of my stack (laughs) blind on the next hand? Or do I just want to lock this up right now? I think it's a pretty easy decision.
0: Especially given that this was a survivor, meaning that if you know correct strategy, um, I'm not going to be able to call very many um, bets going uh, forward. So let's say that we don't chop there. And I'm in the big blind. And even though I'm kind of like one of the shorter stacks are kind of like middle. Of, so there's seven players left. Maybe I'm like in fifth. Fifth, right. If like the button shoves, I can't call with ace-king. I can't call with ace-king. Probably can't call with tens. Yeah, ace,
1: ace-king ace and tens and tens are normally in a, in a regular tournament situation. Right. Obviously a fist pump. Yeah, right. I'm happy to call. But, yeah, because of the fact that there's someone in sixth place and someone in seventh place behind you, you're really handcuffed because it's called a survivor for a reason. (laughs) You need to survive, even if it's just with one chip, to get the same prize as everybody else. It's a different strategy, and I think a lot of players make mistakes because they're used to playing more what we call standard tournaments.
0: Right, and because I understand this strategy, I'm not going to make that mistake, but my opponents don't understand this strategy, so they're going to make the mistake of, you know— um well i guess in you know well actually it is a mistake the guy who would have been on the button was the chip leader which is really the worst player in the satellite and the survivors. <laughs> the chip leader so this guy has all the chips he's raising every hand where he he already has a seat he should, yeah, he should be in his
1: hotel yeah he should be
0: so he's gonna make the mistake of raising too much and i'm gonna make the correct play of folding too much so i'll so my next when i get into the big blind here i'm 99% of the time gonna lose these chips i can't defend and so it was like a no brainer chop for me at this point like had this chop been proposed when i was on the button i probably would like ha- tried to hold off for two or three hands and like get that chop when i'm like right under the, the in the under the gun position so yeah this chop was um i think pretty- the big blind
1: ante really does change tournament a strategy lot. a lot especially yeah. in satellites and survivors in this format, the fact that you can wait, like, another five hands before you have to post, yeah, that's pretty huge. Yeah. With a couple of shorter stacks below you, yeah, that's really big. But still, I mean, even though you weren't about to make a bunch of mistakes... I think locking that one up under the gun is the way to go for sure.
0: Yeah, and then you also lock up the opportunity to leave the Planet Hollywood. Oh, that's always plus EV, (laughs) getting out of that place. Yeah, so that's worth like $300 (laughs) right there. (laughs) Oh, well,
1: Carlos, it's always so much fun to talk to you, and especially when we in the rare chance that we get to do it in person. So, uh, thanks for coming over here. And, uh, before we go, why don't you tell people what you're up to and where they can find you and, you know, feel free to plug whatever you're plugging these days.
0: Um, you can find me playing on Bovada. Uh, you probably won't see me live (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) Loathe live. Loathe live. So you can find me playing on Bovada. um, um, if you want to uh, get in touch with me for coaching at all, you can um, either find me on Twitter uh, at HipHop101Trivia um, or my um, coaching website, which is com. And also, um, we discussed the single table satellites earlier. Andrew Brokus and I have a premium podcast where we discuss The Strategy for Beating the Single Table Satellites, and you can find that at knitcast.com.
1: There you go. So Carlos is all over the internet. Are you also twitching these days? Do you still twitch?
0: Um, I do. um, I I haven't done it in a while, um, but I do occasionally go, go on, but not... Okay.
1: Not at any Something had to give,
0: right? Something
1: had to fall by the wayside. Yeah,
0: anything that starts to feel like a job is not for me. Like, I kind of float with the wind. Okay.
1: I I like your style, my friend. (laughs) I like your style. Well, uh, you know, Carlos, for those who don't know, is an actual real-life TPE success story. You can go back and listen to the archives when Carlos was just kind of like, I don't know, I would say like a, a daily grinder kind of trying to figure poker out and was, you know, built his reputation as, as a knit the the old fashioned way by actually being a knit for many years where it was just, you know, you would talk about hands on this and other podcasts and I would say, I cannot believe he folded (laughs) and uh, you've certainly gotten much looser and uh, closer to uh, GTO as it were. And uh, you know, I know that you give a lot of the credit for your success to our favorite website, Tournament Poker Edge.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, TPE has like taken me from I want to say 2012. The end of 2012 was when I really started like putting in time on the TPE forums, and I was playing $2 tournaments. Yeah, right, grinding. $2 tournaments, like, you know, <laughs> excited when first place was like 13 bucks.
1: Yeah, hey, how excited do you get when you win $13 on a, in an online tournament?
0: Back then, man. It was jump like, up and down? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a like, party? And when you lose, you, like, punch a hole in the wall. <laughs> it's a $2 know.
1: hole in the wall. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, to go from that to like you know where I am now has been you know one hell of a ride.
1: Yeah, well we've been uh, fortunate to take that ride with you, and so uh, thanks again, Carlos, and for Carlos Welch, and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge. I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you guys so much for listening.
2: Please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me Luck and in intuition, play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart The I wanna roll with her, a hot we will be. While little gambling is fun when you're with me. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh. whoa, whoa. I'll get a heart, show her Love Nobody